Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing? Is everybody in authority? Is anybody under authority? <laughs> I think if you're in authority, you're probably under authority, aren't you? Hmm? Praise the Lord. Well, let's just pray a little bit. and Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost and kind of get in the Spirit, okay? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Lord, I just lift you up tonight. I just praise you, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're seated on the right hand of the Father, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're in total charge of this earth, Lord, that you have authority in both heaven and earth, Lord. I give you praise, Lord. I just pray, God, that you'd open our ears to what you have to say, Lord. I give you thanks for this night. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here, Lord. Praise the Lord. Pray in the Holy Ghost with me. Come on. Lord, we want what you want tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you know everyone that's here. You know every issue. You know every problem. You know every pain. You know every, every kind of adversary that they have or every kind of uh, uh, issue that's coming against them, Lord. And I pray for help in times of trouble, Lord. I pray for jobs if there's jobs needed, for resources if there's resources needed. Lord, I pray for healing where there's healing needed in their bodies, Lord. I pray for the, you to meet their needs, Lord, and I give you praise and thank you. And I know that if you, if you hear my prayer, you answer my prayer, and I give you thanks for that. So we just pray, believing, Lord. We believe that we receive, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, isn't the Lord good? He's good because I'm here and you're here and I'm breathing and you're breathing and I'm standing and you're standing and it doesn't get much better than that, does it? Praise the Lord. So, okay. So, yeah, I've been really excited about this subject and excited about starting tonight. We're only going to have three weeks. So try not to miss, because this subject is huge. Spiritual authority is a huge subject, and I'm going to condense down a few things, and we're going to run through it, and, and uh, it's going to be great. Okay? Amen? Got two, three, amen. Any more amens? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Okay. Okay. So, as usual... I'm going to start in the beginning. I'm going to start in Genesis. Can't avoid it. Can't get around it. Got to understand something about Genesis before we understand the basis of authority. Where did we get our authority? Where did the authority come from? What, whose plan was it? Was it God's plan? Was it man's plan? What is it? Okay. So if I go to Genesis 126, 126, I love this little, like two verses in here. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. 
He created him, male and female, he created them. So God created us in his image. And what did he give us? He gave us dominion, didn't he? He gave us dominion. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so then we go to, uh, let's go to Genesis 2-7. And Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Does anybody comprehend what just happened here? When God breathed into Adam. So he formed him, and his anatomy is there, okay? As intricate and complex as the human body is, God formed him, but then he breathed his own breath into Adam. Can you imagine what that did to Adam? That may explain why he stood up. Adam could stand up a fully developed man with no need for going to school and learning a language and growing up. He was totally developed, had total revelation knowledge, understood things, understood languages, could speak with God, walk and talk with God. Wow. He was not born. Adam was not born. And then Eve was taken out of him, and she stood beside him, and he blessed, God blessed both of them. Perhaps the first words that they ever heard were words of blessing. They didn't know anything about death. They didn't know anything about sickness. They didn't know anything about pain. They didn't know anything about a, a, a conflict or an adversary or someone trying to kill or steal or, you know, from them. They, did, they didn't know about it. The world was perfect in that day. God said it was good and it was good. So that breath, and I was thinking about this, that breath, I don't want to... Skip over this too fast. That breath that God breathed into Adam, that pneuma, that life, it says in, in some translations that Adam became a living soul. In others it says a living being. Okay, But that breath gave him life. That breath charged him. And uh, that breath was handed down. From generation to generation to generation to generation. And that breath of God is in me. And that breath of God is in you. Just like Adam had a body, you have a body. And I have a body. Okay? So we are a spirit being made in the image of God. We have a soul, mind, will, and emotions that lives in a body. Praise the Lord. Now, of course you know that some bad news happened. And in chapter 3, verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, Oh, a little snake came into the garden, a serpent. A serpent came into the garden. He said, Woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, God had a tree in the middle of the garden, tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
And he told him, he said, don't eat the fruit of this tree. You can have any other tree. You can have any other fruit, herbs, nuts, all kinds of foods. Before I came over here tonight, I went to the refrigerator and I got out some fresh pineapple. And I cut off a slice of that. And it wasn't one of those, you know, how you get sometimes or sour or something. No, this is sweet, really sweet. And I thought about that. I thought, I wonder if Adam and Eve had pineapple like that. And I'm thinking, I bet they had some really good pineapple. Okay, so God has given us a lot of good things. You know, we don't have to just eat burgers and fries. You understand that? He's given us a lot of good things for our health and for our bodies and to help us. But they focused on this one tree that they were not supposed to eat off of. And this serpent came in and he lied to Eve. He told her that she wouldn't die if she ate of it. He just lied. He, and, and he says, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, there might be some truth to that evil part. You know, if you read the news lately, you, you might see a little truth to that evil part. That when she took that, that fruit and she gave it to Adam, everything began to change. Okay. Now, in uh, Genesis 2.28, I should have read that one. Let me back up there. So Genesis 2.28. Whoops. Wait a minute. Must be 26. Okay, well, uh, on 26... um, We get that that picture that I just read in verse 26. And that's where he said, uh, let them have dominion. Okay. And so God had blessed them and he told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue the earth and have dominion on the earth. And so I want to read you... uh, A definition of dominion. So let's just start with the word dominion. Dominion means sovereign or supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling. Sovereign or supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling. The power to direct, control, use, dispose of at pleasure. So it's it's a it's a, a Dominance. It's a position of dominance that Adam and Eve were supposed to have. Okay. And then the word subdue. And the word subdue means to conquer by force or the exertion of superior power, to bring into permanent subjection, to reduce under dominion. Another powerful word. Okay. 
And then there's another word, the word authority, which is the subject of the teaching tonight. The word authority means legal power to, or a right to command or act as the authority of a prince over subjects and of parents over children, power, rule, or sway. Now, there's more to these, these definitions than just what I gave you, but th- that's, that's kind of the basis of it. Okay. All right. So basically, God gave them authority over this, this whole earth, and he told them to fill it. And he told them to take dominion over it and subdue it. It was a command. And the command of God is still true today. We are supposed to have dominion on the earth today. We are supposed to subdue the earth. We're supposed to protect it from enemies. And we're supposed to have dominion. Okay? Now, in uh, Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So, he had a role to play. Adam had a role to play. He was supposed to tend the garden and keep it. He was like a steward over it. So God created it and gave authority to him to tend, to keep, to defend, and to fill it, to fill the earth. So that's how the Bible starts out with that kind of command over man. Okay. Then we went to Genesis chapter 3. And we see where the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field, which the, God, the Lord had made. And he said to woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then Satan lied. And he said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So the fall of man all occurred because of deception and a lie and because of a thought. So keep that in mind as we're going through this study. It's the, one of the smallest things in our life to us is a thought. Sometimes a thought, we consider it just a small thing, but a thought has to be uh, managed. It has to be, uh, we have to look at our thoughts and decide, is this a thought that needs to be taken captive? Is this a thought that needs to bow down to the Lord or not? And so Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, a curse came on the earth. And the curse uh, made their life very difficult. And that's continued up until today. And so in today's world, we have struggles. We have struggles in our bodies sometimes. We have potential sickness and disease. We have offenses. We have people who are angry with us. We have violence on the earth. We have all kinds of problems that stem from the fall of man. Okay? 
Okay. Now, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, in Isaiah 7:14, there was a promise that God made to, uh, to send a deliverer, and he would be born of a virgin. And it says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now what we have here is we have God coming to visit man. And God is going to come in the body of a man. He's going to come through a virgin. Okay? So Mary is going to be the one chosen to, to give birth to Jesus. And, but, the, but the significant part of this is that she was a virgin. Okay? She had not known a man. And so Jesus is going to come to earth and he's going to be both God and man. So he is going to empty himself of his deity from heaven. And, I mean, perhaps Jesus was the one to actually breathe breath into Adam. Okay, you know? So, but he is going to empty himself of his deity from heaven. And he's going to come to earth. And he's going to be born of a virgin. And unlike Adam, he's going to grow up as a little baby. He's going to have to grow up and go through all the steps of maturing. Okay? But he's going to be sent as the redeemer for mankind. So what the devil and the enemy stole from Adam and Eve in the garden, the redeemer Jesus is going to buy back for us. And he's going to deliver us from out from under the curse. Praise the Lord. And he's going to give us our authority back. Whatever authority we had lost, he's going to give it back to us. So that we have the same kind of authority that Adam originally had. Praise the Lord. So that's, that's kind of the plan there. Now in Romans 12, 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. It says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So it was by a man that there was a fall and a failure and a sin. 
it will be by a man that redemption comes. And that's just the way God does things. So he was, this was God's master plan. Uh, In John chapter 1, verse 14, we read that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus was sent to earth and he became flesh and walked with man, walked with people. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit here. Okay, Genesis 8.21. Genesis 8.21, And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. He's talking to Noah, and this is after the flood. So Noah has... You know, he's worshiping God and he's now on the earth and God is is making this covenant with, with Noah. And verse 22, this is the important part, okay? While the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So every day, these things happen. Every day, just like clockwork, there's day and night. There will be summer and winter. There will be hot and cold. And there will be seed time and harvest. Now the only thing that we can really control in all these things is we can control or have effect on the seed time and harvest. So our position has to be that we plant good seeds. And so when we plant good seeds we reap a good harvest. If we choose to plant wrong seeds or bad seed, we will reap a bad harvest. And, and there's nothing that can stop this from happening because God has given it and he's said it in his word. It's, it's just his plan. It's just his way of doing things. Okay. So although Jesus has come and he's redeemed us, and set us free by his own blood and by his sacrifice and go under the cross and being resurrected and ascending to the Father. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he loves us. So we've got all this going for us. But at the same time, if we don't sow the right seed, we'll reap something wrong. Okay, we have to sow good seed. All right. Now, in Ephesians six eleven, it says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You will not be able to stand with missing armor." It says, put on the whole armor of God. And it's also telling us that without the armor, we will not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He has a way to deceive man. He has done it throughout the years. I mean, he has, 
I'm not, I'm not trying to elevate him. I'm just saying he knows how to deal. He knows how to lie. And he knows how to deceive. And so we're told by Scripture to put on this armor. Well, let me go to the word wiles. The wiles of the devil, it's a word methodia, okay? And it means trickery or to lie in wait, parentheses, with a road. Trickery or to lie in wait with a road. So it's like methodia. It's like a method with a road. It's like a, he has a method of deceiving man, and he is going somewhere with it. And when he gets where he wants to go, he will totally captivate a man. He will box him in. You know. So that's so. So the smallest little deception is part of the road. See, it's just part of the road that he's he's going to go down. Okay. Now, in Second uh, Corinthians two eleven says, "Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. So he has wiles, and he also has devices." So I looked up this word device, and it says it's a perception. It is the intellect or a disposition, device, or mind. So it has, like, it seems to have two parts to it. The device has a mind, and it has an intellect. And you might, you know, one translation of this is, we are not ignorant of Satan's mind games. We are not ignorant of his mind games, his mental trickery. He is out for your mind. Okay? He he is out for your mind. He is out for your thinking. He is out for your thought patterns. And once he gets that then the rest of his plan, you know, down the road, down the road, he's got the plan for the rest of it. Okay. So there is a spiritual force after your faith. You know, Satan's not, I mean, he's not in a body. He's not a man, right? So he was a spirit being that fell from, fell from heaven, was cast out, you know, tried to oppose God. And uh, so he is after our faith. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So, So one... One position of spiritual authority, and this is the point of going through all this, is to get to this point, okay? One position we want to take is we want to say, we are going to have to stand in these days. I mean, it would be better to say, glory to God, we're just going to run over the devil. Well, there's, there's scripture that says, 
that we can trample on serpents in here, okay? And that Jesus has given us authority over all of these enemies. But there are times in our lives when so many things can come against us. And it's a lot of times, it's not things that's your fault. It's not necessarily your fault at all. It's just the trials of life, okay? I mean, the disciples went to Jesus once and, and there was a tower that fell and, you know, they were wanting to know, well, who sinned and what, why did this tower fall and what was wrong? What was wrong with these men that the tower fell on? Jesus said, no, they, no, no, that's not. He said, you just count it joy that you, your, your names are written in the book of life. So if bad things happen, it doesn't necessarily mean that we did it. Although there are laws of sowing and reaping out there, right? You know, like when I go to my doctor, you know, he wants to know, do you smoke? Do you drink? Why do you think he's asking me things like that? You know, well, if I tell him that I smoke and drink and do things like that, you know what he's going to do? He's going to go to my age and chop years off. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he knows statistically and probability and from his, you know, from his standpoint, he knows what those things can do to you, okay, on your, on your health. Okay, so there's a law of sowing and reaping going on here, okay? And then there are all these things that can come against us and perhaps we have been sowing right and we're at the point of reaping and then some things come against us and seem to knock us back, and we get frustrated in our faith. And it's at those weak moments, that's when the enemy wants to attack our thoughts. It's at the weak moment is when he's going to try to come against you. You know, praise the Lord. But having done all, stand. And then it says, stand therefore, having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate, of righteousness. I read one explanation that this armor that the the uh, Roman soldier would wear, and, and this apparently is what Paul is trying to get to when he's talking about put on the armor of God, is he's, he's relating it to something these people knew at that day. See, they were occupied by Rome, and there were soldiers in the streets, okay? So they were always constantly aware that that they had this, you know, this ruling party against them, you know. So one explanation was the belt of truth uh, connected to the breastplate and other parts of the Roman armor and kind of held it all together. Like without the belt of truth, it wasn't complete, you know. So... It says, having you girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith. I don't know exactly what he was meaning by that, except don't ever go into a battle without that shield. Don't, don't ever go into battle without that shield. Above all. So you've got to keep your faith. The devil wants to steal your faith. He wants you to go into an unbelieving attitude. He wants you to start distrusting God and distrusting his word. And when he gets you to that place, he can steal your authority from you. He can weaken you, okay? 
Now the shield that the Roman soldiers had was not this little tiny shield. The ones I'm seeing from what I do research is a great big shield. It's almost like I could stand it here on the ground and it would like cover me. It was a great big old shield. So keep that in mind. This is, this is something uh, that it says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What do you think fiery darts are? Isn't it lies? Isn't it deception? And you know, when Jesus, Jesus was tempted of the enemy, and you know what he did. He said, it is written. The first time, the first temptation. And then on the second temptation, what did he say? It is written. And then on the third temptation, what do you think he said? It is written. He went to the word. He went to the word. He went to the word. So tonight, you are among the smartest people. Because although you, many of you know the word very well, you want to refresh it. You want to keep it, keep it fresh, keep it strong, okay? Now, somebody out there probably needs to hear this. I don't know who. <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, all of you are strong Christians. I mean, you're the, the best of the best. But this word is for all of us. And it seems to be pointed at today's world. It seems to be it seems to be written for for 2015, September 23rd. It seems to be written for this day. Having done all stand, put on the full armor of God, that you can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, the helmet possibly means to have a protection over your thoughts so that vain imaginations do not form and strongholds do not encompass you. The shoes bring peace wherever you travel, wherever you go. Romans 16.20 says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Psalm 119, 133 says, Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Well, okay, so while we're studying the word dominion, let's realize that it can go both ways. Dominion can take you over as well as you having dominion over situations and circumstances and your life. And so we have to we have to be on the side of defending our faith, defending our position, defending what the blood of Jesus bought for us. We have to defend that territory. We have to maintain our position and our, our, the ground we're standing on. Now, in Matthew 8, uh, verse 5, we have the story of the centurion. So I'm leading, I'm leading you up to this centurion. Now here's a centurion. He's walking through the streets. And apparently people knew who the centurions were. I'm sure they could identify them by the, what they were wearing. 
perhaps the helmet or some part of their their clothing. I don't know if they stayed in full armor all the time, or I just I don't know that for sure. But no doubt that when a centurion was around and he spoke, people really took notice. A centurion is over about 80 men. The word century comes from it, you know, like 100, but the commentary says that they were over about 80 men. But they weren't like 80 just average men. These are 80 trained fighting machines. And they would they knew how to, to fight in agreement with one another. And they knew how to get into battle mode side by side and put their shields down and defend themselves against fiery arrows that would be fired into them. They knew how to protect their head against things that would come down on them. And they knew how to advance and push an enemy back and destroy them. And that's what they were good at. So here's a centurion. I want to tell you this story, okay? So in verse 5, it says, Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now that's interesting. This is a Gentile and a Roman, and he goes up to Jesus and calls him Lord. Man. Okay. And then he said, and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. He says, I also am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Wow. So Jesus was amazed that there would be a man that would have this kind of faith and a man with this kind of understanding of authority. And where did he learn this? He learned it from the Romans. He learned it from his own position. He had these servants and he had these men under him and he would say go and they'd go and come and they would come and he watched Jesus. And he watched Jesus cast out demons and things. Obviously, he must have. Now, right before this, there's a story of a leper that came to Jesus. And the leper said, "Uh, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And Jesus said, I'm willing. Just put his hand on him. And he was made whole right there. Now, that takes a little authority right there, right? To put your hand on a leper. Jesus did that. No sweat. No problem. Okay? Uh, Another interpretation of that, I kind of like this one, is instead of saying, Lord, if you're willing, you could say, Lord, if you want to. Lord, if you want to, you can make me whole. He had faith that he could do it. He just didn't know if he wanted to or was willing to. Or if he was worthy of it. And Jesus just immediately healed him. I wonder if the centurion saw that. I wonder if the centurion saw him put his hand on a leper. 
you know. And so, obviously, the centurion saw something that made him totally confident that Jesus had authority and had more authority than he had. So he had authority in natural realm, but this man is something else. He's got authority in a spiritual realm. And so he called him Lord. And so Jesus was just amazed at the faith. And Jesus said this, And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Praise the Lord. So this man could have, Jesus would have went with him to his home. He would have gone in to his home. He would have prayed for his servant, perhaps laid hands on him or whatever. The centurion recognized that he didn't even have to do that. And for one thing, the centurion probably knew that his home really wasn't like clean. You know, it's like he's a centurion. He's got blood on his hands. He's a warrior, you know. And, and, and perhaps because of the, the laws at that time and that sort of thing, this just wasn't appropriate. But for whatever reason, he had total faith that, that if Jesus would just speak the word, it would happen. So how important are words? Let's think about that a little bit. How important are words? How important is it when we speak a word, is that our sowing? Is that where we do our, most of our sowing right there with our words? Wow, what a lesson. A lesson taught by a centurion. Isn't that something? <laughs> In 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Our, the weapons uh, from, the, from God pull down strongholds and we can bring every thought into captivity. 2 Corinthians 10.3 it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So really, this scripture right here kind of culminates or brings together perhaps the heart of what I want to give you tonight is because if we take thoughts captive, then we won't have to deal with vain imaginations and arguments. Okay? If we let vain imaginations and if we let thoughts go and we, we let vain imagination and arguments reside in our minds, eventually they turn into strongholds. Now, 
this word arguments is a it's a word uh, logismos. It means contemplation of actions as a result of the verdict of conscience, a reckoning or a computation, a reasoning such as is hostile to the Christian faith. So we can get into a place where we begin to reason in our minds and our reasoning goes down a path that's really against our own faith. This is what I believe this vain imaginations and arguments is really all about. It's leaving thoughts in your mind that should have been taken captive and you let them churn until imaginations take place. And pretty soon you're in a place of deception. How does this happen? I don't know. And, you know, you think, well, am I out of my mind or is this, you know, could it happen to me or is it impossible? You know, but the word of God says, be on guard for this. Now, I have to take this seriously. Okay? So bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and be ready to punch all, uh, punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay. Now, what is a stronghold? A stronghold, it says, is a fastness a fort, a fortified place, a place of security. Actually, a stronghold can be a good thing. I mean, a stronghold can be like a protection for you. But it can also be, in this light, in this scripture we're talking about, a stronghold is like a snare or a trap or something that takes you captive. Okay? Now, I observed an animal one time going into a, a live trap. And... Uh, the little squirrel, you know, he looked all around and tried to figure out any way he could to get to what was in the food that was in the trap. And when he couldn't figure out a way in to the trap, through the outside or through the way he would like to go, he finally went through the entrance of the trap. And so the little squirrel is in there and he's setting up and he's just eating this food and just as happy as can be. And he looked like the happiest squirrel in town, you know. And I'm, I'm observing this, okay? When he went into the trap, he tripped the door, and the door shut. He has just lost his freedom. He's, he's trapped. He's in a stronghold. He's tripped the device, so to speak, okay? Now, don't worry. The little squirrel got free, and he's happy again. Everything's fine, Okay. But I'm just, it, it, it amazed me. I was watching this. I thought, this little animal doesn't even know yet that he's trapped, you know. And so this is the way of the world. The world starts creeping in on us. And you've got your media, and you've got your internet, and you've got your phones, you've got everything. And a little at a time, you know, thoughts are coming in that are wrong, and your lifestyle starts to change a little bit. And, and, People find themselves in snares and traps and in strongholds. Now, a stronghold is similar to a uh, a stronghold or tower. Okay, and in Zechariah nine three, it talks about a, a tower. And so, I looked up this definition in the Old Testament of this, and it says something hemming in. A siege, besieged, bulwark, defense, fenced, 
fortress or strong tower, something hemming in. Okay, so the enemy wants to hem us in. He wants to get us into a position where if we go right, we're hurt. If we go left, we're hurt. It's kind of like checkmate. You don't have a way out. And your authority in that situation has been weakened, you know. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples of this, like, how could this happen to? But there's, there's a man named Samson. Samson got into one of those kind of traps, you know. And once the thing sprang, there was no way out. Samson had a final prayer that he prayed. And he asked God to give him strength one more time. But it cost him his life. And God answered the prayer, by the way. You know, so the Lord has, with every trap, God has a way of escape. This, this situation with Samson this is one of the worst ones. Okay? But you don't, you don't just go into the enemy's camp. You don't just lay down in the enemy's camp. Because... You, you won't come out. So I wanted to start off the, uh, I want to start off the lesson here today with a talk about taking thoughts captive and taking your position of authority and putting on the full armor of God and standing in defense of the things that Jesus has done for us. Because he's done a tremendous He's given us all kinds of blessings. And I want to start this teaching off with this tonight. And then I want to make you aware of the value of your body. Your physical body is so valuable. It was so important to God to send his son to come into a physical body. And of course, you know he was both God and man. And he had God's blood flowing through his veins, but he had a physical body. And he could come into authority in that after giving up or emptying himself himself of, of deity from heaven. He could come into such a place of authority that he could put his hand on a leper and he would be healed just like that. And centurion, even a Gentile would see it and say, man, you guys got something. You know, if the world could just see what we have from the outside. And if they just knew the freedom that we had, they say, you guys have got something. You're on to something. You're on the right track. You know? And, and so, praise the Lord. Now, let me just say this and, and close down here. Okay. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? Now, what the Bible says is is that my body, I don't really own my body. Once I accept Christ and I receive him into my life, when I accept Christ, I come under his authority. And when I come under his authority... He now is in control of my members of my body, okay, not me. And so I become 
a steward over my body. I'm to take care of my body. I'm not to let my body become a tool of sin or a tool of unrighteousness. And furthermore, the Holy Ghost takes up residence in my body. Isn't that amazing? So, we have the authority of the Holy Ghost inside of us all the time. And we need to be a protector of that. You know, I think, well, a garden with fruits and nuts and trees and things like that. Well, you know, Adam was supposed to protect that, you know. And, and he was supposed to guard his own soul. And, and he, he fell, and he let Satan deceive him. And so we don't want to do that here in our world in the last days. We don't want to let down our guard. We don't want to let the enemy come in and deceive us. So take thoughts captive and, and make every thought come into the obedience of Christ and stand in your position of authority and stand against the enemy. And when you, when you have a problem, physical problem, or an issue of any kind in your family or on your job, you take authority in that situation. You go to God and you pray about it. And you confess it. And you speak with your mouth. And you speak the same kind of thing that God would speak over your situation. And know that you have complete authority and you have complete dominion and a right to have the blessing of the Lord on you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Uh Praise the Lord.